you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church, and Happy New Year. Wow, prayer and fasting. Now, there's a challenge. If you've never done it before, uh, the video is a good introduction. And uh, we want to encourage you to join us this week, Monday through Friday. Uh, We're going to be doing this together as a church community. And then on Friday, we're going to gather here at 7 o'clock as a a culmination of our time of prayer and fasting to share uh, what God has been doing, what we've been learning, how God is impressing us. And you're invited to come and join us to share and to be encouraged. Sound good? If you've never done it before, uh, as you saw in the video, there are various ways that you can participate um, in prayer and fasting. Uh, If you didn't do the fruits and veggies leading up to tomorrow, uh, you could do that today and Monday as the way of beginning your fast. And then Tuesday through Friday, uh, you could do whatever you decide, uh, whether it's food or technology. And, uh, or you can mix it up. Uh, you could start that on Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you can fast. The point is this, that it's flexible, um, to do what works for you. Sound good? You know, I, I can't think of a better way to start the new year than with seeking God. It's all about seeking Him. That's always the purpose of fasting in the Bible. It was always about seeking the Lord. And as we prepare for 2016, we want to invite you to join us in this journey of seeking him through prayer and fasting. It's going to be good. I noticed that uh, whenever I've made the commitment to pray and fast, God has always met me in that commitment and done good things in my life. If you're looking for breakthrough, if you're looking to hear from God, if you're needing to move into a new season, uh, if you have any need, whatever it is, uh, I want to encourage you to consider praying and fasting and, and trusting that God is going to meet you in that need. Sound good? You know, uh, in conjunction with prayer and fasting, we are doing a series, we are beginning a new series today entitled Dare to Believe. And Dare to Believe is a five-week series about ordinary men and women who had extraordinary faith. Dare to Believe is about women and men like you and I We're going to look at five different ones who had audacious faith. Have you heard of audacious faith? Audacious faith is the kind of faith that would enable you to do, to be daring and to take great risks for God. It's uh, audacious faith is the ability to be brave and to have courage and, and to step out of your comfort zone to trust God. And so, That's what we're trusting God for as we seek Him uh, in 2016. I'm wanting to encourage you to join us in a journey to seek God and trust Him for the impossible and the overwhelmingly difficult. Now, how many of us have situations in our lives that that we don't have control over and we need God to do something? And And I'm inviting you to join us to trust God to do something. You know, our family was in a situation like that maybe about a month ago. Some of you know that our oldest daughter, Tara, she's sitting here. Um, she was in a, she got hit by a car while driving a moped about a month ago. And a little bit later in the message, I'm going to invite her to come up and share her testimony of God's love in the midst of great pain and difficulty. But before we get there, I'd like us to take a look 
at a lesson from history about what we can learn when it comes to trusting God in situations of great difficulty, even overwhelming odds. And we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament from a historical person by the name of King Jehoshaphat. How many of you heard of King Jehoshaphat? (laughs) Some of you. Okay. King Jehoshaphat, um, he's an Old Testament king, and he was a good king. Uh, King Jehoshaphat was a king who sought after God's heart, and he did great good for the nation. Unfortunately, King Jehoshaphat also had some weaknesses. And one of his weaknesses is that he did not have the ability, he did not have the discernment to be able to see the true heart of evil people. And as a result of this blind side, uh, he would make friendships and he would make acquaintances with people who were not really for him. They were, he thought they were his friend, but they weren't. And one example is King Ahab. King Ahab was king of Israel, the northern part, and Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, the southern part, and Ahab invited him to a big party. And they had all kinds of food. It was fiesta big time. And he just honored him as a guest and gave him the royal treatment and rolled out the red carpet. And he was just enticing him. And then toward the end of the party, he said, hey, why don't you and I join forces? We're better together. And Jehoshaphat said, yeah, that sounds good. He said, my troops are your troops. And so Ahab said, well, why don't we go to war together against a common enemy? And Jehoshaphat agreed. And so they went to war. And just before the battle, Ahab said, you know what? I want to give you a great gift. I want to give you my royal robes just before the battle. And so Jehoshaphat is wearing these royal robes. And they engage the enemy. And meanwhile, Ahab dressed as a regular soldier. And so when they engaged the enemy, guess who the enemy went after? You know, Ahab acted as if he was honoring Jehoshaphat. But in reality, he was setting him up as a target. Literally. And so the enemy is pursuing Jehoshaphat. And he cries out to God to save him. And in the moment he cried out to God, the enemy got distracted and went to another point of conflict on the battlefield. And Jehoshaphat was spared. Meanwhile, guess what happened to Ahab? trying to hide under the disguise of being normal. It says an enemy soldier shot an arrow into the sky, and it happened to land in an opening in his armor, and it killed Ahab. That's the backdrop of today's text. And so we're going to pick up the rest of the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Let's read it together. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hetzetzon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Just to give you some context, to give you an idea of where all of this is happening, this is... Northern Africa, the little red star there is where Israel is, just kind of on the northeastern tip of Africa. And if you were to zoom in closer to Israel, you'll see Jerusalem in the center, and then you have the Dead Sea to the right, and that little star is where you had En Gedi. 
And if you were to go there today and just to see the terrain, it looks like this. This is En Gedi. And that spot is about 20 miles from Jerusalem. It's a single day's march. They're a day away, and Jehoshaphat gets the news that a vast army is coming against you. Now, how would you feel if you got news that a vast army was about to hunt you down and they're only a day away? You know, we are all in similar circumstances. You know, we're a a day away from experiencing difficulty. There is a very real enemy out there, and he has many tactics. He might try to use deception. He might try to use guilt. He might try to use broken relationships. He might try to use offense. How many of you have read John Bevere's book about the bait of Satan? John Bevere says that offense is the bait of Satan. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. You know, he might use fear, he might use anxiety, he might use accidents, he could use illness, uh, he could use all kinds of things to try and get at us. And so, you know, what do we do when we're faced with situations in life that we have no control of, situations where the odds are seemingly against us? And what I'd like us to do is to take uh, a look at this story of Jehoshaphat and see what lessons we can learn when we are faced with similar circumstances. Amen? So this is what he did. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. Translation, that's a phrase for serious prayer. He begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So there it is, prayer and fasting together. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And so he called out to God. He invited everybody. to. They did it together. You can do it alone. You can do it individually. But there's something when a group of people get together to seek God through prayer and fasting. Verse 6. He prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, You alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. You know, Jehoshaphat is referring to their forefathers and their testimony and their experience and what they saw of God's might and God's faithfulness. And they told their children when they were young, You can trust God. When you're in a situation and you've got no way out, you can call out on God and he will answer you and he will help you. And so if you're young here today and you've heard this testimony from maybe your parents who have gone before you and they've had experiences with God, I want to encourage you to... There's two ways that we can learn. Now, we can learn from our own experiences or we can learn from the experiences of others. 
And you can save yourself a lot of time and a lot of heartache by learning from the experiences of others. Amen? (laughs) Verse 10. And now, see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them, and they did not destroy them. Now, see how they reward us? For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack. You know, that's an important point. It's an important thing to come to a place of awareness where we realize our limitation. And we say, God, I am powerless to be able to change this. When we come to that place, then we're ready to trust God. As long as we're still trying to fix it, and we have faith in, his, faith in ourselves, and we have trust in ourselves, you know, we're not really trusting God. We're trusting ourselves. And it's good to come to this place where we say, God, I am helpless to, to be able to bring change to this situation. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. And But man, this is the key. You have got to get a word from God. You've got to seek God and wait on God until you hear from God. And that's what happened when they assembled for prayer and fasting. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. And you know that that kind of has a tone like that's God speaking. That would not be one of the priests in the temple telling the king, listen. I mean, this is God speaking. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That is key. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions And then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Amen. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. You know, when you get a word from God, I mean, notice that response. You can tell by his nonverbal language, he received that word. And he bowed low in worship and thankfulness. He was so, uh, so relieved that God had heard about their circumstance and he had responded and he had given them assurance that I'm with you. It's going to be okay. I mean, just one word from God can change your, your, your countenance, your attitude, and your response. And then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Say, loud shout. shout. (laughs) You know, when we sing in here and it gets loud, uh, that's the way it should be for God. Amen? (laughs) Verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. 
This king was not just a figurehead. He was encouraging the people. He was saying, trust God, and he was leading by example. That was a ministry right there. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. That is amazing. At the moment they began to praise and worship God, God began to move and intercede on behalf of them, causing the enemy to turn against each other. Watch what happens here. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Amazing. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it. Wow. You know, there's so much here. This passage is so rich about what we can learn when it comes to trusting God in difficult situations. And today, I'd just like to highlight three of them if you're taking notes. What does it mean to trust God in overwhelming odds and look to Him for deliverance? Number one, look to God's might and sovereignty. God's might and sovereignty. He is able and He is mighty and He is in control of everything. Now, we might mentally give assent to that and go, well, yeah, I know God's all-powerful. He can do it. The question for me is, will he do it? And even then, it might go even into more further detail, like, well, I know he might do it for other people, but will he do it for me? Point number two, look to God's faithfulness. Look to God's faithfulness, how he has been faithful to you in the past. Before the foundation of the world, God had thought about you and his plan to save you. And then he brought you to himself And he allowed you to experience Jesus coming into your life for you to be forgiven. And he has done many things in your life. You can look back in your life and and just think of the testimony of what God has done. Remember his faithfulness. And then point number three, worship God in the midst of trouble. Man, when you can do that and say, God, despite what I see, Despite what's going on in the visible, in my circumstances, I'm choosing to trust you and I'm choosing to worship you that you are good and that your favor is toward me. That's what you call audacious faith. And the moment that the people of Israel began to do that, God moved on their behalf and the enemy was destroyed. And the moment you begin to do that, God will move on your behalf and the enemy of fear or anxiety will be destroyed You might be unemployed. You might be looking for a job. You're a day away. God, If God moved and gave a word, you could have a job today or tomorrow. Circumstances can change on a dime. Man, I've seen life change so fast. Terry and I, sometimes we are just amazed. We're going, wow, it's hour by hour. You just never know what's going to develop. And when you're trusting God, it can be amazingly good. Amen? 
Those points are powerful applications for life, but I want you to focus on the picture in the margin. There's a guy hanging there from a cliff, and he's got a rope, and he's strapped in, and he's dangling from that cliff, and he is absolutely dependent on the strength of that rock to support him. Jesus is the rock, and you are connected to him. But sometimes we wonder, will this rock support me? Will this rock hold me? And here's the point. You can trust God in the midst of overwhelming odds because of his might and his faithfulness and his love for you. Amen. I mentioned earlier that our family faced a great challenge about a month ago when my daughter got hit by a car while driving a moped. And I'd like to invite her to come on up and she's going to share her testimony of God's love in the midst of great pain and difficulty. And so let's welcome Tara. Hi, church. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tara. I was born and raised here on Guam. I grew up in this church. Um, and right now I am living in Portland, Oregon. I'm going to school there and I'm working at a local coffee shop. But I get to come home and visit at least once a year and always get really excited. Um, just for a few things, I love spending time with my family. Um, I absolutely love going to the beach. So I'm there pretty much every day or every other day. And um, be, one of the highlights is being here and just being able to to be with my church family, to see how the church has grown, to see what's changed, who's married, who's graduated, and all of those great things. And I, I always get really encouraged, and my spirit is really encouraged, especially when I get to worship with you. Um, even just this morning, I just felt filled up. And I was on my way home from uh, Oregon, and uh, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share an encouragement of a, a recent testimony of mine. And... Um, this is really a testimony of God ministering to me about his sovereignty and how um, he is more than able to take care of me uh, when I commit my life to him and I, com- I completely put my trust in him. So a little bit of a backstory. Um, about a month ago, I was hit by a car while driving um, my sister's moped. Um, I was driving home early from the grocery store and um, a woman pulled out in front of me and hit me, and I was going about 20, 25 miles an hour. She was accelerating, so um, I, after the impact, ended up flying from the vehicle, and I landed in the street. And she hit me in my lower half, and so um, I was lying in the street, and I couldn't feel my legs. Um, and I just remember being in so much pain, but all I could say was, God, help me. That's all I could say. Um, I just said that over and over again, lying there in the street. And um, I also, at one point, I prayed. I was like, Lord, please just put me unconscious. (laughs) I was like, I just want to be unconscious, and then I want to wake up, and I want to be in the hospital, and I want to be pain-free, and I don't want to kind of go through this. I don't want to feel all of this. And um, God didn't do that. (laughs) But he did speak to me, and I was lying there in the street, and he just said, you're going to be okay. Um, and like my dad was saying, you can just receive one word from the Lord, and it completely changes your countenance and your response. And I was in still just as much pain 
Um, I was still just as afraid, but all of a sudden I had this peace come over me and it was like I could accept being there in pain, in fear, in the street, but the Lord told me I was going to be okay, so I, I was okay with it. And um, so long story short, I get rushed to the hospital and um, I am there for a few hours and they're doing all of their things and I find out that I have no major life-threatening injuries. I have no organ damage. I have no brain injury. And I didn't even have a single broken bone. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I know. God is so good. And it was a miracle because if you would see the look of the moped, it had been completely totaled and crushed, and it was in pieces and ended up underneath the car. Um, So really what I had ended up with was blunt force trauma to my legs. And... um, they treated it like a like they would treat a sprain, except it happens differently. Um, but I had suffered such an impact to my legs that I couldn't walk or stand. Um, so when I got home, I was on bed rest for about a week and a half, and um, I couldn't stand up for more than a few seconds without needing to faint just because I was in so much pain and I had major bruising all over my legs and it was even just uncomfortable to lay in bed. Anyway, I I ended up staying upstairs for about a week and a half because I couldn't make it down the stairs and I needed help for pretty much everything. And um, I remember lying in bed for the first one or two days and really being okay with it, you know, like I'm was hit by a car. It makes sense that I need to be in bed and resting and recovering. Um, and I was okay with it, recovering and laying in bed. But um, day three or day four rolls around. And this is kind of like the part that I would really want to share my struggle with the Lord um, and just discouragement. Because for those of you who might know me personally, I love to be active. I love moving and I'm very motivated to get well and motivated to do things that I love and walk and run and swim and climb. I love all those things. And so um, by day three or day four, it kind of really dawned on me, um, this is going to be a long process. And I'm not, I'm not getting better at the rate that I, that I am wanting to. And I was so far ahead of myself mentally than I was physically. I would even have dreams at night of my, of me walking and running. And then I would wake up and not even be able to to stand out of bed. And so I kind of went through this process in my heart and motivation where I would wake up and I would just be so discouraged. I would just be struggling to be positive because I would wake up and I probably wouldn't have, in my mind, improved at all. You know, I was still in the same pain. I still needed help getting out of bed. Um, and so it got to a point where um, I was so discouraged inside. I would just lay there and and wrestle with discouragement. And I had all this time in bed, so at one point I just laid there and I said, all right, God, well, I'm here, and I have lots of time on my hands, and so I'm sure that you have something to say to me. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to lay here, and I'm just going to listen. And without any type of expectation of what the Lord was going to say, I just began laying there, and I started opening up my Bible, and I kind of want to share with you how God ministered to me through the Psalms I was reading. So I'm going to read Psalm 34, some verses in Psalm 34 and Psalm 40. It says here in Psalm 34, verse 2, 
I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us, let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. And then in verse 20, which is my favorite verse now for this time being, for the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. (laughs) Yeah, praise the Lord. God is so good. Anyway, you know, a funny story is people would come and visit me and they say, oh, Tara, you know, you're just, you're so strong and you're so fit. You probably just bounced right off that vehicle and you're just going to be back on it soon. And everyone kept on saying, you know, you, you work out and it's all, you know, to recover fast and all of this. And, um, you know, people would just say that as an encouragement, but the Lord really showed me that verse about the bones of the righteous and, and revealed to me, he said, no. Both the weak and the strong rely on me equally. There's no merit to ourselves. We can't take credit for whatever God does in our lives because it is all him. And um, that was such a humbling thing for me. And I began to share that because that is such a spiritual truth. Both the strong and the weak rely on him equally. And we have nothing going for ourselves that makes it any better for one of us. We all rely on God just as much. And then I want to share in Psalm 40, just verses 1 through 3. Um, It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And by day four or five, I had like tried walking on my leg and I was kind of doing this, you know, for, for like a few steps and was really impressed with myself and it really was nothing impressive at all. But that verse where it says, he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along and I just laid there and I, I, I meditated on that and the Lord was very clear to me. He said, I am the one that steadies you as you walk along, and you need to commit your healing to me anew every day, every morning, without any expectation of what it's going to look like. You just need to make a decision in the morning, God, I commit my healing to you completely. And it was a, de- it was a decision moment for me where I was giving up now all the expectations, you know, the dreams of walking and running again, about what I wanted where I wanted to be in a day or two. And I decided, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning because every day I just woke up in my bed and I would, you know, hang out with people or twiddle my thumbs or whatever. And uh, I would say, all right, God, today I commit my healing to you. I'm going to walk with you and whatever you want to do in my body, I'll accept it. And whatever you want to wait to do, I'll accept it. And it was only until I made that decision that I just began to see all of the ways that God was sovereign and taking care of me because it became all about him and not about me at all. And when you're lying in bed, all there's really not much credit you can take for things that are happening around you. You just lay there and you just watch, you know? And I had this front seat row to see 
what God was going to do. And I think I just kind of want to share about some of the ways that God was very thorough in how he took care of me. Um, just to kind of share how detailed our God is and how sovereign he is. So I had so many needs during that time. First of all, I couldn't move or do anything. So I had people come over, multiple people come over every single day and just cook me meals. People would bring meals. They would cook my favorite meals. They, um, just day after day, people would bring groceries over. I ha- I'm in grad school right now, and I have classmates who come and drive all over Oregon to be at class once a week. And some of them live an hour away from where I live, and they would drive an hour in the rain through traffic to drop off meals and groceries for me. And it just went on. You know, I didn't even ask for any of that. And um, people would just send me money for bills and to help with physical therapy. And it was just something that God put on their heart. And um, it was sometimes exactly what I needed for the time being. I had people praying over me, praying away trauma, and people who would come over and just pray with me. I have a, a friend who is, she loves plants and herbs, and she knows what helps your body. And she would make these little capsules for me and tinctures, and then she would pray over them and bless them and say, Oh, Lord, will you just, like, allow this to heal Tara's body? And, Lord, I bless this and ask that you would do your healing work. I had people who were just kind of on call who would offer me rides wherever I needed to go. If I needed to run an errand or something, they would be there in five minutes and just take me and drop me off. And they would go out of their way. I had I work at a small local coffee shop, and there's about six or seven of us who work there. So me being out of work for two weeks, two and a half weeks, everyone just compensated for all of my shifts. And uh, it was just it was just like a family, just like everyone kind of stepped up and did that. When I was lying there in the street, they had to check for spinal damage, so I had all of my clothes cut on the street. Well, just my, my all my jackets. And... Um, all of them really quality items, and I only had one of. And I had friends go to this, you know, the store and buy me new rain, a new raincoat, and I didn't even ask for that. I had people coming into my house, and I would hear the vacuum going on downstairs and the dishes being done, and I would text my houseman and say, "So and so is cleaning the house, and I can't stop them," and someone, someone's doing the laundry, and. Um, sometimes, you know, we left a key underneath the pod, the front door. I just hear someone come in and I have no idea who's in my house and who's cleaning it. Um, you know, all to say that once I kind of just said, Lord, I commit myself to you and I'm trusting you to take care of me. I was just able to sit back and watch God take care of all the little things. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So just kind of the last bit that I want to share is, as if I had not learned my lesson well enough the first time of how to just completely trust God and, and, and commit each day to him and trust in his sovereignty, um, it was, I had, it had been about two and a half weeks since my accident, and it was the day before I left to come home, and um, I remember it was just a day where I had been worrying about some really um, major upcoming expenses. And it was like, up until that point, all of my needs had been taken care of. And then um, one of the thing issues that we had been dealing with is uh, locating Nicole's moped. And we found it in a towing lot. We kind of had to do this big search for it. Um, and they basically quoted us over six 
to $700 to take out um, of the towing lot. And uh, otherwise, it was just accruing money every single day. It was about $25 a day. So in four days, there'd be another $100. And um, there we just didn't have any of that money. We had nothing to be able to get it out. But we were told that if we didn't pay for it, it would just accrue all this money. And then after 30 days, it would go to collections. And then basically, collections would take care of it. And uh, we were leaving the next day, and so a decision had to be made, but there was really no resources to make a, a good decision, a decision that we felt at peace with. And and then the other major expense is I hadn't worked for two weeks, so I realized I had no money to pay my rent. And these were just two big things, and I, I was experiencing so much anxiety inside, which I don't really experience that feeling where you know where your heart, your heart is pounding and you can't really focus and... um. I was just sitting there and I realized, man, I've never really felt this way before. And so I started writing down in my notebook all of the practical material things that I was really struggling with. And I was almost in tears. So I went into the bathroom (laughs) and I just sat in the bathroom and I began to just cry and pray to the Lord. And God began to minister to me and he said, I am a God, not just of the spiritual or the emotional or the mental needs, but I'm a God of material things too. And I, I am involved. I'm actively involved in your material, practical needs. And I can provide, and I want you to let it go. And when he meant let it go, he also meant letting go of my participation, because usually I like to participate. So God, just give me wisdom and uh, just help me figure out what do I need to do. And God was like, no, I want you to even release your participation in it. And I just want you to give it completely to me. And it was just a decision. It was a quiet decision I made in my heart with the Lord. I said, all right, (laughs) God, I am completely letting go of this. And it was something that I had to recommit to hour by hour. And I was working like my second shift since my accident at work. And just hour by hour, I kept on praying, Lord, I just give this to you. I completely give it to you. I'm not going to worry about it. And um, later on, I had a, a friend from my church back in Portland come over and visit me. And we were talking about my accident, and he was asking me specifics about, you know, how I was doing and um, how my needs were being met. And I basically said, you know, God's been so good. He's been providing for all of my needs. It's been amazing, you know, food and and just prayer and all of these things that I need rides. And I said, but honestly, there are these two things that I've been really struggling with to trust God for. And, and they're big things, you know, they're material things. And so I was just sharing with him, and little did I know that he um, had come come prepared to bless me. And the Lord had used him. He gave me a gift that covered both expenses exactly of what I needed. And he just handed it to me. <laughs> and I just hugged him, and I just started crying. And I said, wow, he said, you have no idea. This conversation I've been having with God all day, I've been giving this up to him, and I never even thought that he would just give me the money I needed. I never even thought, I was like, Lord, how am I going to make that money and all of this? And once I gave it up to God, God was like, I'm just going to immediately answer, and I'm just going to give it to you. And I was speechless. I was just in tears. And later on, Nicole and I, we just cried, and we just thanked, and we just praised the Lord for how he provided But it was a real moment for me to realize 
God is sovereign, not just in the invisible things. He's sovereign in the material things, my physical needs, and that he can always be trusted in every circumstance. And I can seek him in every circumstance. And and God is good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's my testimony. Thank you for letting me share. God is good. Amen. You know, there was a point when we were going through that, that I was literally on my face on the floor in my house, and I was praying, and I said, God, what can I do? After hearing her testimony, I realized I was asking the wrong question. (laughs) I should have been saying, God, what can you do? (laughs) Because he is so much more able. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are able. Lord, more than able to make the difference in each of our circumstances, in each of our lives. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up as we pray. If you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, we are in this place of daring to believe you for the impossible, for overwhelming odds. Lord, when we are helpless. And Father, I thank you for the testimony of all those that have gone before us. And Lord, have discovered for us that you help the helpless. Lord, that you are able to help us. You are able to deliver us. And you are able to deliver us in ways that we would have never imagined. And Father, would you strengthen our faith? Would you enable us to trust you in 2016? Father, our prayer is that for every challenge, that for every test that we face, that you would enable us to have victory over every test and to trust you. And so, God, would you be at work among us, at work in our hearts, and through our lives. 